1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, May the 26th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on May 26, 1972, President Richard Nixon and Soviet leader Brezhnev, they signed an anti-ballistic missile treaty in Moscow. The U.S. withdrew from the treaty in 2002. Today, in 1864, President Abraham Lincoln signed a measure creating the Montana Territory. Today, in 1865, Confederate forces west of the Mississippi surrendered in New Orleans. Today, in 1938, the House Un-American Activities Committee was established by Congress. Today, in 2009, California Supreme Court upheld Proposition 8. It was a ban on gay marriage. California people said, no, we don't believe that marriage is between two men or two women or a group or whatever. They said, We believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. But the state came back, even though the people and the Supreme Court stood behind them and ruled in favor of the people who had voted. But the government said, well, the 18,000 same-sex weddings that have taken place before the prohibition passed are still valid. Five years ago today, two men were stabbed to death aboard a light rail train in Portland, Oregon. Police said the victims were trying to protect two women who were the target of a man's anti-Muslim rant. One year ago today, President Joe Biden ordered U.S. intelligence officials to redouble their efforts to investigate the origins of COVID-19 pandemic. President Biden said, including any possibility that the trail might lead to a Chinese laboratory. Boy, that message sure got lost in all of the Fauciisms that we've heard over the last few years, didn't it? It's too bad. I think based on what I have studied and read, the trail leads pretty clearly to a quote Chinese laboratory in Wuhan. But somehow that message was canceled, and we didn't. Uh, we redoubled the efforts, but we didn't uh, redouble the intent to get to the bottom of it. A pastor, a pastor standing in the midst of chaos and death and loss and grief, an evangelical pastor, a biblical pastor. He shook his head the other day. And he looked down and he said, it's hard to see God through all this. A Bible-believing, born-again, evangelical pastor. All of us reach those times sometimes in our life. And we have to admit to ourselves, I believe in God, I love God, I trust Him. But boy, I can't see God in this. That's where this pastor was, as we've learned over the last 24 hours, at least 21 victims, including 19 students, two teachers. They've been confirmed dead. 18-year-old went on a shooting rampage. He was a school kid from that school district, a high school kid. Went on a shooting rampage in a single classroom at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, leaving behind a trail of horror and grief. The horror uh, horror and grief have even left this pastor admitting it's so hard to see God sometimes through all this. I'll come back to that, Pastor, in a moment, but so many of us go through so many things in our life, and sometimes the the most committed Christian can, in a moment, say, where is the Lord in all of this? Not questioning God, simply questioning our ability to see God in those circumstances. As I was thinking about this, I knew I'd be talking about it today on the radio. I thought of the verse in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. You've heard it before, perhaps you've memorized it, but we need to hear it again. Revelation 21.4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There's coming a day when all of the pain and all of the tears will be wiped away. I don't know if you grew up in church or not. I did. In a evangelical, Bible-believing church. They used to sing a little chorus when I was a kid. We don't hear these kinds of choruses anymore, and I'm not trying to bring back the past, but do you remember that? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by his hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day. That will be. There are other verses to the song, but remember that? That's fundamentally biblical true. That's what's going to happen. Oh, God is with us in this world, and we walk through the trials and the horrors and the griefs of this life, whatever they may be. God is with us. But there's coming a day when all of that will be wiped away. It's real. God is there waiting for each one of us as we pass from this life to the life to come, if we know his son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Savior. There's much being said about the shooting in Texas, as there should be. It's one of the infamous days in American history. There's no question about that. Jason Rance was talking about this not from a spiritual perspective but from a political perspective on his radio show in Seattle yesterday. He said venture capitalist and woke democrat Nick Hanauer, let me just say Nick Hanauer is very well known in Seattle. He's a he he's he's a very successful entrepreneur and he speaks at a lot of uh, money conferences and business conferences and so on. He's kind of looked up to as a guru by a lot of people, not by me, but by a lot of people. They, they like him and they follow him and he's had some success for sure, but he's a hard line, way out there, far left Democrat. So this venture capitalist, woke Democrat, uh, Jason Rance calls him. I think Dory Monson, for those of you in Seattle were listening, I think he was talking about him yesterday too, but anyway, head hour is a big part of why We don't see more quality ideas to address tragic events, Rance was saying, and I agree, and I want to make a few comments about this, but this is drawn from Rance's comments. I want to be sure, I'm always sure, that I credit the people I'm quoting when I'm quoting them. So I'm quoting partially Jason Rance and myself. But in the aftermath of this Uvalde mass shooting, Nick Hanauer decided to wish terminal cancer on who he perceives as his political opponents. He tweeted this. I'm quoting. This is hard to hear, but I'm quoting him. Let me pray. They were calling for, our leaders were calling for, as many of them were, calling for people to pray, rightly so. We should be praying. He said, let me pray too, dear God. Please reach down in all your mightiness and give all of these Republican politicians terminal cancer. Let them die excruciatingly painful deaths and then chuck them into hell for all eternity. Amen. That isn't some atheist on the other side of the world. That's Nick Hanauer, who's well-known and well-respected by some people in Seattle. This is obviously the tweet of someone who isn't mentally well. Indeed, it's the kind of tweet that should raise flags about a person's capacity for violence. Rand said, I'm sure... He and his defenders will claim it's the kind of emotional reaction that's needed to pass undefined gun control laws, but it's precisely why nothing gets done after a mass shooting. Nick Hanauer is the problem. Rant said when Hanauer sent his tweet we didn't have many answers on how the Robb Elementary School shooter obtained the weapons, which ones he actually used and what was his motivation. It's safe to say, however, the Republicans didn't motivate the shooting or innocent children. Yet Hanauer is angrier at unnamed politicians than he is at the actual murderer. We've heard nebulous calls for reasonable gun control immediately after the murder. The shooter already violated a number of laws. But if one more reasonable law could have prevented that, I think most Americans would want to hear it. I actually said that yesterday about myself. I said yesterday, if another gun law, or if the confiscation of guns would stop, for sure, stop the killing of kids and other people completely, if it would solve the problem, I would gladly give up my guns. I think all of us ordinary folks would do so. I'm sure there are exceptions, but for the most part. But we know, and America knows, that's not the solution. In fact, Rant said yesterday, few have, are, uh, few good ideas are ever floated for debate because partisans are more inclined to use dead children as political props to demonize their political opponents. That's harsh, but it's true. Barack Obama was going off, as he loves to do, just this morning, and he he said one, I tweeted one line about the tragedy of these kids. Then he pivoted immediately to George Floyd and made the connection between the two. There's no connection between the two. Trying to stoke the fears and the anger and the grief of Americans. They see this only as a political event. They can't get past that. An hour and almost every national Democrat, Jason Rantz says, Democrat politicians say nothing when kids and adults are murdered or injured in Chicago every week. No passionate speeches on the Senate floor, no NBA press conferences that turn into angry screeds delivered in bad faith and certainly no call for specific legislation since these shootings occur in the very cities that overregulate guns. These deaths aren't political. Those deaths, he says, aren't politically advantageous. The loudest bad faith Democrats don't want a plan. They want an enemy. They only exist on their enemies. The pastor dropped his head and he said, I am here to pray, to hug, to stand with those from my church who lost family members, children, in that horrible shooting in Uvalde. Let me talk about, for the rest of our minutes this morning, let me talk about a different response to this horrible event. Let me talk about a different path. I'm not suggesting that all the people that I'm going to quote are Christian. I'm just saying they're different. They're not like the person I was just talking about. They're not like Hanover and others who are so obsessed with their political activism. Educated, yes. Knowledgeable, no. These people are just real people responding to real tragedy. Chris Alvarez, Texas Department of Public School Safety Spokesman, told CNN yesterday that all the injuries and fatalities took place in one classroom. The University Health Hospital in San Antonio confirmed yesterday that they're caring for four patients connected to the shooting, including the late shooter's 66-year-old grandmother. He meant to kill her, but she didn't die yet. She remains in serious condition. The other patients at the hospital include a 10-year-old girl in good condition and a 9-year-old girl in good condition. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he identified the shooter as Salvador Ramos. You probably have heard that by now. A student at Uvalde High School, he was shot and killed at the scene. There's a lot of back and forth now. There's arguing in the press. Associated Press is trying to be the big white knight, as they always try to be, particularly when it opposes conservative thought, conservative politicians, for that matter. But they're saying that the police stood by for an hour before they even tried to make a move, unlike the reports that were coming out of Uvalde yesterday. I don't know. I've read a lot this morning. I'm not sure who's telling the truth or who's confused. But there is a lot of back and forth on that. You'll hear that today. But let's put that aside for a moment, the blaming game. Some families whose child have been publicly identified are remembering as they grieve. Let's talk about how they're responding for a moment. These are just ordinary people. Lisa Garza of Arlington, Texas, she talked about her cousin, Xavier. She told Associated Press, she said, he was just a loving 10-year-old little boy just enjoying life, not knowing that this tragedy was going to happen that day. We never know. She says he was very bubbly. He loved to dance with his brothers and his mom. This was just taking a toll on all of us. Uzziah's grandfather, Manny Renfro. He told Associated Press, he was this, He said his grandson, Uzziah, was a, the sweetest little boy he said I've ever known. He said, of course, I'm his grandfather. But remembering his last visit with his grandson, he said, I was teaching him how to play football. I was teaching him pass patterns. He was doing just great. He was remembering the pass patterns. He would go out and I'd throw him the football and he would be in the right place at the right time anne grandmother told the Daily Beast that her granddaughter was trying to call 911 when she was killed. She said, my granddaughter was shot and killed for trying to call 911. She died a hero, trying to get help for her and her classmates. anne father told the New York Times that she was full of life, a jokester, always smiling. She was very special and social. She talked to everybody. Then the grieving father said he thought he and his family were finally getting a break after losing several family members to COVID-19 this past year. And he said, then this happened. There are a lot of questions around all of this that happened. Reverend Y.J. Jimenez, he leads First Baptist Church. He's the pastor who is waiting for at the waiting room at the Uvalde Memorial Hospital Tuesday late in the afternoon, offering support to family members of shooting victims. He told the New York Times that two of his parishioners lost their grandchild. And he had never had to deal with such grief in his 30 years of ministry. He said, sometimes it's about the presence and the prayers. But he said, in times like these, all you can do is cry. The pastor said, this has impacted us. We've come to let them know how much we care and how much we love them and offer support in any way we can. We're at a loss. And he said, it's hard sometimes to seek God through all this. All pastors have been there. I've been there as a pastor. I won't go into my experiences, but I could. But this isn't about me. It's about us, and it's about you. It's about our country. I know this for absolute certain. It is there in death's shadow that God meets us with the beauty, the sure reality, and the hope of the gospel. As pangs of death and grief pierce our hearts, we join what the Bible calls the groaning of creation for all things broken to be made right. It's there in death's shadow that God God meets us to give light to those who sit in the darkness of loss and grief, those who sit in the shadow of death. Read Luke, first chapter, verse 79. For those who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior, now if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior. This doesn't really apply to you, and I want it to apply. So please, take a moment, look inward to your heart, and in your heart of hearts, ask God to become your Savior through his Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, that he was resurrected from the dead. And if you'll confess that with your mouth and ask him to forgive you of your sins, you'll be forgiven. That is the path, that is the door to eternal life. There is no other way. Not all the good works that the religious left and all those guys are involved in and the political activism and all of that, that that isn't the way. It's important, but it's not the way to God. There is only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. I grew up in church, but I had to make that decision for myself. I had to come to a point where I said, God, I need you. My parents know you. My grandparents know you. And a long line of relatives on both sides of my family knew and served you. But I must make that decision. That's the important part of it all. But for those who have made that decision and know Christ and are truly biblical Christians, God comes to us to give us light in the darkness. God comes to sit with us in our loss and our grief. Those who sit in that shadow of death. Those who have accepted Christ as Savior. When we have accepted Christ as Savior, there's this promise of redemption that paints the bright colors of God's love over the darkness. There's eternal hope in God through Christ for redemption, renewal, being reunited with loved ones. Consider this. No one travels throughout life without, at some point, experiencing the loss of someone or something dear. We all have. Perhaps not as tragically as those in that little town in Texas. But we've all suffered loss. The loss of a loved one through death is one of life's most intense challenges. The pain can be overwhelming. The loss of a parent when you didn't expect that parent to die, much less my parents, I knew in advance they were in decline. But sometimes we don't know. It just happens. But even when you know, it's hard. It's difficult. I stood at the window in Memorial Hospital there in Yakima, and I looked out the windows. My dad was in the bed next to me. I was standing, and he hardly knew who I was, and he and I were so close. Dan Dornick, his doctor, told me, Gary, he said, you need to prepare yourself. Your dad is soon to be with the Lord. I said, thanks but it hurt. We all go through these times in our life. You've lost loved ones. You know what I'm talking about. But we stand on the truth of God's word. No one travels throughout life without at some point experiencing loss, but the loss of a loved one, the loss of something or someone, the pain can be overwhelming, but God doesn't leave you to suffer alone. He's with you. That's what the world is missing. That's what this Hanover guy is missing. He needs the Lord to say things like he said he wish all Republicans would get terminal cancer and go to hell publicly when he's a publicly known person in Seattle and elsewhere. That's speaking out of an empty life, out of an empty heart, after a lost and dark experience at heart. We stand on God's truth, on God's word. To be absent from the body, the Bible tells us, is to be present with the Lord. Those who have accepted Christ as Savior, and children not yet at the age of accountability, when they slip from this life into the next they're with the Lord, the children. Because God does not suffer the little children to come unto him. Those who have accepted Christ as Savior, those children who are not yet at an age of accountability, they are with the Lord. Let's look at some verses from the Bible to give us a sense of why we believe and how we believe about these kinds of times. I know most of you, probably all of you that I'm speaking to today, likely, didn't have a family member or a close family member in that schoolroom. But about 20 of them did. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, we read, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus is the greatest empathizer. He understands what you're going through, and he'll stay beside you. In this life, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus, as we know, has been there. He walked through that valley. Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Lord will wrap his arms of love and comfort around those who trust in him. Psalm 147:3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Lean on God when you're going through difficult times of loss and grief and darkness and when you can't quite see God in all of this. Lean on God and allow him to continue the process of healing your broken heart. Scripture says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 4. Comforting you is God's specialty, and he will use you as a channel to comfort someone else who has... Great loss and going through terrible grief and so on. The Bible says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You've heard that verse a number of times on this program, if you listen regularly. I say that all the time. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. We need to know that because that is the inspired word of God spoken and written by Isaiah a long time ago. Isaiah 41.10 God promises to be with you and get you through this time of intense disappointment, loneliness, loss, grief. No matter what it is, God has promised to be with you and help get you through this time in your life. Then there's verses like this in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death swallowed up in victory. Where is your sting, death? It's been conquered. It's gone. And finally, God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There should be no more pain for the former things have passed away. God has dried your tears. That's our future. That's our hope. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow.